The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. This is our 35th week in the book of John and our second week in Jesus' high priestly prayer. Uh, I want to start the time reminding us that the teaching of the Refuge Church is rooted in the Bible. Um, That might not seem um, like a strange thing, but the reason why I want to start with that, that it's rooted in the Bible, is because because we have an opportunity to each root ourselves in the Bible, to dig deep into the Word of God and to live from that. There's a, a... well-known pastor who ends every sermon he preaches by saying, now this is your responsibility. And, and it really is. You know, once, once we leave here, um, no, no matter how much you understood the sermon or related to it or felt like, like it was words you wanted to live by, it will just get filed deep back into the recesses of your mind unless it's now your responsibility. Uh, your responsibility to pick this up daily. So hopefully what you learn from our sermons is to, to uh, handle the word of God with care. Um, now, the book of John. The gospel of John was a book written for all people. No matter where you come from, whether you grew up in a home that loved Jesus, where the name of Jesus was something celebrated, or you grew up in a home where there was no faith at all, that maybe the only time the word Jesus was used was in a curse word. It's possible because you've been in church now only a half an hour, or maybe you've been attending your whole life, that, that Jesus is something that is very familiar to you, the idea of Jesus. It could be so familiar to you that it doesn't, it doesn't even like strike your heart as something that you care about anymore. Well, the Gospel of John is literally written to you in that place. Uh, Whether you come and you delight in the name of Jesus or you hear the name of Jesus and it's like, I don't care at all. The stories were written, it says, in the end of the book of John, that by them, by believing that Jesus is the Messiah, you may have life in his name. That God is not a God who is far away, but God became human and moved into the neighborhood. And by putting our full trust in who he really is, we can have full and eternal life. By putting our heart, our trust fully in him, we can have eternal life. Let me pray first again, just as we get going. God, we pray that this morning... We will be very present, heart, soul, mind, and strength. We will be here. We will bring our best. As every time the word of God, your word is opened, you bring your best to us. God, help us understand it, receive it, and in turn, go and obey it.
God, in this time, I pray that we will feel ourselves, we will find ourselves getting more and more excited about this word, this treasure that we have. And we'll want to go share it with everybody we know. And praise in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever met somebody or spent a good deal of time with somebody who says something and you think, wow, we see the world differently? You know, it could even be some, somebody that you're, you're dating or somebody you've been married to for a long time and, <clears throat> and all of a sudden they're listening to a song and they're like, this is my jam. And you're like, not you. <laughs> well, that happened this week to me. Um, one of those news stories that just makes you feel alone in the world. And <clears throat> it was the story of Iceland's president visiting a high school. And at this high school, he just doing a casual Q&A and they were asking him important things about himself. What's your favorite soccer team? Where did you go to school? And, and the, the question started getting really personal. And they asked him, what's your favorite topping on your pizza? And this was, this was news blowing up this week, so probably a lot of you are familiar with this already. And, and instead of saying what he liked, he said, if I could use my executive authority to outlaw the use of pineapple on pizzas, I would do that. And let me tell you what. There are a lot of reasons not to go to war with the country. There are reasons. <laughs> um, on, a, on a more serious note, um, there's been research going on for about half a century on reasons why people get married to and stay, stay married to the people that, that they are, are with. <clears throat> the research also is about families and, and what families value in the, the kids of that family, who they get married to. So back in the 1950s, 1960s, when they were doing this research, uh, top of the list for what parents desire for their kids is to marry somebody of the same faith. Um, that has changed, though. Uh, a book came out in 2013 talking about how the studies are pointing to that a parent is more concerned about their child getting married to someone of an opposing political party than someone of a different faith than them. So, so a parent would be more concerned if their child married, if they were a Republican, that their child married a Democrat than if they were a Christian and their child married a Muslim. That would be more concerning to them. And the reason that the article gave for this is... They said that young people today consider religion to be a pursuit of the individual and therefore downplay differences in ritual and doctrine. They minimize the requirements of faith by conceiving of faith as something without specific content. So they see faith or religion as being something that really doesn't have any 
significant content that isn't just left up to your, your personal fancy. But, but politics, on the other hand, has content. That's the claim that's being made here. The second thing is this. Faith is seen as being a superficial characteristic, not something that forms the core of your identity. It's no different than your favorite flavor of ice cream or whether you like pineapple on your pizza or not, which that would be more of a core forming. <laughs> I'm just joking. So, so what, what is it that... <clears throat> that has changed so much so that when we, we hear someone say, I'm a Christian, where we are today as a culture, we don't assume certain content to that. We, we don't assume certain things about them. Well, Jesus' prayer here that we get helps shape our understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Because it says in this prayer that he is praying for those who are his. When you say, Jesus, I follow you, there is, there is specific content to what you are saying. There is something you are affirming when you say that, Jesus, I will follow you. If we are always trying to conform the words of Jesus to our current way of thinking, this is important, if we're always trying to conform the words of Jesus to our current way of thinking, we will never understand what it truly means to follow him. On the other hand, if we are transformed to Jesus' way of thinking, we will come to understand the truth, and that truth will set us free. We believe, this is important as we transition into John 17, we believe that this world, the world we see, the world we, we love, the world that God so loved that he sent his son into, we believe that this world is passing away. We believe that the way this world thinks is passing away. In 1 Corinthians 7 it says this, for this present world and its form is passing away. In First John, it says, the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. And that context of forever, of being an eternal person, the, the way Jesus prays about you is that you are a person out of this world. That's the big idea today. Christian, you are out of this world. This is set up starting in John 14. This is the way I started my sermon two weeks ago in John 14 where Jesus preparing his disciples for him soon to leave. He writes this, he says this to them. My father's house has many rooms. This is John 14 too. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going. What Jesus is saying is that, that you are eternal people. And so as he starts praying for the disciples, as he transitions into this, this 
teaching them, then he starts praying. And so the, what I want you guys to see here is he, he is doing this. He's speaking with the disciples. And then he turns and he is, he is just praying to God and we just get to overhear him. So throughout the gospels, as we see Jesus sneak away and pray to the father, finally we get to kind of watch him as he does this. So Jesus isn't addressing this to you, but he's addressing it to his father and we get to like peek through the keyhole and see what he will say. And last week what we saw is, is he, he, he prays within this context of, of being eternal, otherworldly people. Listen in, he says, Father, the hours come glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give, what? Eternal life. To all those you have given him, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So when he starts praying, he starts thinking in a different way. Than what, like, you know, like when I heard the Icelandic president, just, you hear the disdain in my voice. When I, when I heard him talk about pineapple poorly, and I was like, Right, like because we thought differently. We hear Jesus talk about eternity, and honestly, I think sometimes we hear Jesus talk about eternity, but we are so concerned with the present moment that it just doesn't make sense to us. Jesus is on a different wavelength than we are. Right, Jesus is seeing all things through the idea of I'm here for a short amount of time. My goal is to to. to to offer myself that you might have eternal life and then I'm going to go prepare a place for you and don't worry, you know the way to the place I am going because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is, that's what he's thinking of, but still we are thinking on this level of like, well, the, you know, the stock market is really unstable right now. That's probably what a lot of you guys think of on a daily basis. I'm just joking. Whatever it is, we think of, we think of stock markets, we think of, the economy, we think of politics, we think of fashion, right? Does this look good on me? Right? For some of us, the question in the morning, does this look good on me, is more important to us than, God, what do you want me to do today? Right? For some of us, we are, we are just so consumed with this that when Jesus is saying, now this is eternal life, that they may know you and that they may know me, and, and yet we are so concerned with life minus the eternal that when we're listening to Jesus pray, we're like, can you talk more about like, like maybe prosperity now? Or, you know, like whatever, like I'd like to get married before I die. You know, like whatever that is that we we get consumed with. Jesus is praying with a different perspective than we are. So, enter into verse 6 to 19, which we are, we are talking about today. <clears throat> and Jesus says this. He says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. See, I'm not just making up the big idea. Out of this world. He says, these people... These people, my people, are people who are out of this world. And what Jesus is saying here, he says, I have revealed you perfectly to them. What this means is that when we see Jesus, we see fully 
we understand fully who the Father is. When we put our faith in Jesus, we put our faith fully in God. When we hear Jesus' heart and what breaks his heart, we hear completely the heart of the Father. That's what Jesus says. So when Jesus goes, when I came down, when God moved into the neighborhood, we're not getting a partial revelation. This is really important because still sometimes when we're like, well, Jesus is good, but I can't wait to meet. No, Jesus goes, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when he's praying to the Father, he goes, and everything that you've given to me, I've given to them. In all its fullness, we have seen him. That's how he, he continues on in verse six. Uh, you gave to me out of this world. And then he goes on to describe, and there's three points we have today, what it means for these people to be people who are out of this world. Be people who are thinking isn't consumed with the present. And so he starts praying for us. The first thing that makes us out of this world people that he identifies in his prayers is this, that we are people of the word. Do we, by any chance, have the verses we can throw up on the screen? Awesome, thank you. <clears throat> so we're just going to read verses 6 to 8 here, and it says, I've revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. What does that mean? They were yours. That means before Jesus even came, These people were in the heart and mind of the Father, which is awesome. He says, you gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. So these three things that we're going to see from the word is this, verse eight says, I gave them the word. So the first thing, what it means to be people of the word is that we realize that the word has been revealed from God to us. It's been given to you. That Jesus's words from the father have been given to you. And the second thing is this, what it means to be a person out of this world. Not only have we received these words, but we have accepted them. You gave them to me and they accepted them And then we look up back here in verse six and it says, they were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. So we've not only been given the words, but we have believed, we have accepted the words and that we have actively obeyed those words. So the question is, what are those words? What are these words that Jesus is talking about that if we receive them, believe them, obey them, that we will be out of this world people. Well, you know, the interesting thing is that oftentimes when we're asked very simple questions, our mind just blanks on the answers. Do you guys remember the first time you were in a job interview? Are you with me? And someone said to you, Right there, you want this job so bad. Like, you want to show the world that I am a grown-up. I can make minimum wage, just like everybody else, right? And, and they, they start asking you questions, and they start with like, hey, uh, what's your name? And you're like, that is a great question. <laughs> right? Why not? 
because you don't know your name, but you are so nervous that you just blank. And it, it feels like this sometimes when we get a simple answer question like, like, who's Jesus? What does Jesus say? Right? How many of you guys remember when someone's been like, man, I, let me tell you a story. So I was a freshman in college. The first gathering didn't get this story, so you're special. So I remember in college, and I was, <clears throat> I was walking um, across campus. Uh, I ran for the cross-country team at WSU, and we were, we were like all walking to go get pizza at this cool place in uh, Pullman called Sella's. Make delicious calzones. Yeah, can't hear him. Amen. Yeah, okay, Sella's. So good. And we were walking there, and, uh, and I'm like, I'm just a couple weeks in, right? Freshman year. And this girl who uh, was with us, Natalie, uh, she became a Christian, a really exciting story, over those four years of long conversations together. But that was the first time we had talked about Jesus. She knew I was a Christian, and literally we were walking to Sellers, and she goes, Daniel, who is God? <laughs> and I remember going like, you know, and, and on one hand, I'm like, yes! You, I always wanted to get a question like that. No one ever asked me that. On the other hand, I'm like, who is God? (laughs) (laughs) And it's because in that moment, and you're just like, what do I say? Well, well, I think sometimes we don't know what to say is because we want to be novel, right? We want to say it in a really cool, creative way. And the words that, that Jesus is talking about here is words that he has already told them. He's already communicated to them. In John 3, 16, we get this beautiful word of God to us through Jesus' lips that goes something like this. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. Guys, that's a, that's a simple word. That is the word of God to us, that God loves the world. And so he's sending his son to the world. That anyone, anyone who wants to put their faith in Jesus, they won't perish. They're not going to die, but they're going to have eternal life. But how many of us, when we, when we hear a question like, what's the word? What's the word? Like we want something new and novel. And, and my challenge to us is, Let's just hear the simple words of Jesus that are true. Maybe we need to let those be our meditation again. How special it is that God so loved the world. How incredible of a story it is that we see him send Jesus and we see Jesus in the flesh walk and we get to see the story of what really happened. That is the word that has been given to us that we have received and believed, and that we then, in turn, go and obey. This word of God sets us on a distinctly different course for our lives than any word the world has to offer, because it is by that word that we are becoming out-of-this-world people. It is this word, a word that you carry with you, do you know how to treasure this word? Do you know how to be transformed by this word? Um, one of the great um, evangelists in American history was a guy by the name of D.L. Moody. 
um, evangelist in Chicago, ended up traveling all over the world. And in the front of his Bible, he had a simple, he wrote a simple phrase that says, this book will keep me from sin, but sin will keep me from this book. Right? It, was, it was the word of God that he knew that if he treasured it, if he accepted it, obeyed it, it would transform him. But he also knew that if he just let it be and removed himself from it, that he would be a person of this world, not a person out of this world. You're not of this world because you have understood and accepted what God has said through his perfect revelation of Jesus. That is what has made you a person out of this world. So, what does this look like for us? Well, for those who have received the word and become out of this world people, uh, the second point is this, that we are a people in danger. We are a people in danger. What in the world does that mean? Well, Jesus prays, he probably says six, eight times in this, he prays for the protection of the people. In verse nine, Jesus says this, he literally just says, I pray for them. And then he launches into, um, I'm gonna read just a couple verses for you. He says in verse 11, protect them by the power of your name. In verse 12, he says, while I was in the world, I protected them and kept them safe. In verse 12 later, he says, none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. And he's talking here about Judas who didn't receive the word, but instead let it go and gave it up. In verse 14, he says this, I gave them your your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I'm of the world. And in verse 15, he says this, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. What protection is Jesus talking about here? I think when we hear the word protection, we immediately think of physical safety. But we understand from these verses that Jesus is not talking about physical safety. When he prays for the protection of the people, he's, prepared, he's praying for their spiritual safety from the word being stolen from them. See, Jesus says right before he starts praying, he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I've overcome the world. He says in other places that, that if you follow him, it is likely that you will get killed for him. And that was a reality for those who who accepted the words of Jesus uh, as Christians, those early Christians. And now even Christians around the world are losing their lives. And so when Jesus is saying, protect them, he's not saying, keep them from getting killed because of my name. That's not what he's saying. Even though that takes up so many of our prayers, we pray for travel mercies, we pray for health, we pray for all these things. And I think, because what we think is that if we feel finally comfortable, then we'll have the space to finally do something with the words of Jesus. But that's not the way it works here. If you turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Mark 4, Jesus tells a story called the parable 
to explain what it's like for people to hear his word and receive the word. And he talks about the inherent danger of being someone who receives the word. He tells the story and then he explains it later. So verse 13, he says this, then Jesus said to the disciples, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? He says, the farmer sows the word. So the story he shared is this, one of a farmer walking throughout a field, just throwing seed, right? This is what farmers do. Just, they just go out there and just throw stuff, right? So he's just, like, I want you to imagine someone walking with a ton of seed and just not even thinking, like eyes closed, right? Just tossing seed, not caring where it falls, okay? That's, that's the picture. Maybe you can even put yourself in the farmer's place, just throwing seed. And, and the seed is falling in a lot of different places. And this is the, how the story is told. He says, the farmer's sowing what? The word. And so the seed, the word falls. It says some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away. He takes away the word that is sown in them. So, so what does this look like? Well, what this looks like is, <clears throat> is you're sharing, um, you're talking with some friends of yours and, and you start talking about Jesus. Like the word's coming out of you. You're an, you're an out-of-this-world person. And so you're talking about Jesus and your friend just is like, dude, you're an idiot. Why would you ever believe that crap? See, that's the word. You're sowing the word. <laughs> but immediately when that word falls on that person's heart, snatched away. They don't care about it. He goes, that's a reality. That happens. That doesn't mean the word doesn't have value. That means that person didn't value the word. Verse 16, it says, Others are like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. What does this look like? Well, this looks like someone who maybe they hear about Jesus. Maybe they've come on a Sunday morning and they start hearing message of a God who loves them and sent Jesus and and we have his stories and we see how God loves and maybe it's the first time that they realize that that all the mistakes they've made even though God saw them and maybe it's the first time they've understood why they've felt shame for those mistakes they've made And yet when they hear the message that God is inviting them to come to him by faith, they are crazy excited. And they're like, I can be a new person. And so they go home with joy. And they go and they tell their parents, you won't believe what I heard today. You know all those stupid things that I've done? Man, I like, in a moment, I felt like I could be new. And their parents go to them, what are you talking about? That's just foolish. There's no God. He doesn't exist. And it says, because of that word, they get persecuted, and then that word is 
stake. The word dies in them. Because that's, that is a possibility. They are persecuted and because of that, the word doesn't bear fruit in it. Still others are like seeds sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of life and deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So some of us, so some of us on a daily basis, we might be getting the word. This might be some of us who we are reading the word in the morning and we pray and we're like, this is amazing. Like, I can't wait to enter the day and just walk with Jesus. And we walk out the door and we realize that someone had keyed our car. Right? And, and no more joy. Just taken away. Like that. The, the, the deceitfulness of the world. The worries of life and other desires. But there are some, it says, who fall on good soil and their life bears a harvest. And this is what Jesus is praying about. This is the protection he is praying for. He's not praying that you will never die here. He's saying that's very likely, and it might be because you're a Christian, <laughs> you die sooner. He's not saying, like, everything's going to be okay. He, what he's saying is, he's saying, Father, I'm praying that these disciples that you have given me that the word will grow up in them and it will go change the world. And it did. You see immediately in Acts, these people who Jesus has prayed for, who, who when he gets killed, they go in hiding and they're scared. But when he rises from the dead, their life is transformed and they go, they share their faith and, and literally look what happens. The world is a different place because of them. Sure, most of them died. (laughs) But the word bore life in them because they were people out of this world. They didn't seek comfort first. And this is the last part as we we look towards what it means to be an out-of-this-world person. It's a people set apart. In John 17, verse 17 through 19, we see this where he says, Sanctify them Father, by the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. What does this mean? Jesus is saying, Father, by your power, set them apart for your purposes alone. The word sanctification here, when, when they thought of a picture in their minds of what he meant by that when they overheard Jesus praying, they would have immediately thought of the sacrifices in the Old Testament where they, there's this whole flock of lambs. And they go out and they choose one that will be sanctified and made holy to be a sacrifice. And that's what Jesus is praying for them. He's saying, God, may they be pulled out of this world and set apart for your purposes and your purposes alone. The way he explains this is by saying, as you had a plan for me and sent me, sent me into this world, so I have a plan for them and now send them into the world. Guys, what it looks like is this, that he is bringing together the idea of sanctification and sending. And why this is so important is this, that some of us 
feel very dry in our faith. Some of us feel like we are just standing still. Like we remember, if someone talks, say someone comes up to you and they're like so excited about something they read in the Bible and instead of your heart being like, that is incredible and like you're excited with them and you're like, yes! Like, like you hear that and you're like, oh, I remember when I used to be that excited about the Bible. You know what I mean? So what, what Jesus is saying, unless you are, are on on the mission that Jesus gave you, which is carrying out the mission that he had, which is to go into the whole world and make disciples, you're going to feel like that seed that sprouted up, it has really shallow roots. Because I think some of us, we just assume we're the last seed who's bearing fruit. We're like, well, I couldn't be those other seeds. But the reality is Jesus is praying, protect them. Protect the word that's in them. Some of you remember something that you aren't currently experiencing. And there's this huge danger as a church that what it looks like, and this is common for every church, and so we need to talk about this, is that as we grow as a church, that we don't become people that are just thinking more and more about ourselves. And more and more about like, oh, how do we how do we make the refuge experience better? Right? How how do we get people to stay? Right? That's not what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying is when you've experienced his setting a part of you, then you are getting sent into the whole world to go love people in the name of Jesus and share his word with them. If you aren't speaking the word of Jesus, it's highly unlikely you're not feeling the life of the word in you. Because he goes, I'm not, I'm not rescuing you for you just to be safe, but literally for you to be unsafe and so the, the Father will protect the word in you. To put yourself in those, those experiences where someone is like, like, who is Jesus? And you're like, this feels unsafe but you're learning to speak and be faithful with his word. And in that place, you will see a harvest in your life. If, if you were to be honest with yourself, right now, where, which seed do you feel like? Which seed do you feel like? Can you remember the last time you spoke with somebody about Jesus who wasn't already on the same page as you? When was the last time you spoke to somebody and they and you knew like this sounds crazy to them? Is your experience one that you come to church week after week and you're just collecting ideas? And you're going and living like this world is your home. Is, is the experience of church lame to you because you're like, man, I just feel like I've heard this before. And yet, yet your life hasn't changed. Like you aren't going out and like hungering for other people to hear the word that you've heard, the words of life, the words of God saying, like I so love the world that I'm gonna, 
I'm going to send my son into the world. Do you so love the world that you're going to go to the places and people that are far away from God and figure out how to communicate his love to them? Are, are you in the place of wanting to build out a comfortable life and from that place eventually try to welcome people into that because that's not going to work for you? It just won't. Because if we're following a savior who said, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to pick up a cross and you're going to follow me. The crazy thing about this is Jesus describes this life as the fullness of joy. Verse 13, he says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. The full measure of my joy within them. This is verse 13. Jesus is saying that word as it bears life in you. um, I have no idea what this is going to do to you. I don't. What I know this will do for you is bring you to a place of experiencing the fullness of God that you long for. But I don't know what it's going to do to you. And some of you, it might cause you to fairly radical action to live out this life of being out of this world. It, it might be having a conversation with someone that for a long time, like you've wanted to speak to them about Jesus, but you've been scared. Some of you, it might be, I don't know. I, I mean, there's so many things that come to mind. Some of you, it might be, uh, I mean, I was talking to Lindsay and Brand this week about foster care, and so that just keeps coming to mind. Um, like some of you, God might call you to adopt or be foster parents, right? Or like just crazy things in your life because you're not the center of your world <laughs> and God's sending you, right? It, it could be that he is calling you to, to just wake up earlier in the morning and start spending more time to let the word of God dwell richly in you. Right? It might be to so passionately be dissatisfied with joyless life that you're like, Jesus, I want your joy. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And I, I want that. Like this has been on my heart lately is, is me thinking and going, am I happy in God like I used to be happy in God? And I want that. And, and to be dissatisfied with a life of just showing up. Like, what, is it, what does it look like to be sent by God? Because Jesus says, as the Father sent me into the world, so I am sending them. Do you feel commissioned by God to go? Because that's what Jesus is praying for you. And that's the protection he's putting over you, that when you go, he will be with you. And you will have experiences that you would never have by just staying where you're at. And this is a fully, this is a together thing. Like this is something that, that you encourage me as your pastor and we encourage one another as a church to move out, to not be centered. <laughs> something I told the, the first service is I said, you know, the, the way this looks isn't talking more about the refuge. It's actually probably talking less about the refuge and more about Jesus. Because <laughs> it's not about here. It's about how we passionately and lovingly invite other people to join us in following him. 
Guys, let's do that together. Encourage me as I encourage you to go be unsafe because we are out of this world. Pray with me. Father, in so many ways, I feel like this is the beginning of a lot of conversations that need to be had. Maybe maybe married couples and their families will talk about, man, have we invested everything in the present? What does it look like as a family to live eternal life now? I think of of the many single people we have at our church who we are so encouraged to make a five-year plan, but, but you're calling us to make a forever plan. God, some of us, we confess, have become okay with showing up and we've made excuses for not being happy. <laughs> that the word has fallen on our hearts like seed hitting asphalt. Some of us, your word grew up and yet we started looking around us and got so distracted. God, we hear your love for us in your prayer. And I pray that you'll give us the courage to respond to your love. And as we saw you get sent that we would we would respond by going with you wherever you'd call us to go. We love you. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.